not adjust your radio dial. You are tuned in to the Mark Order Podcast. Join the Mark Order. Saturday night, and you might know what that means. You might not, though, since this was like a last-minute decision, but it's a bonus episode of the Mark Order Podcast. It's our Saturday special with the two live crew, Aunt Money and Ryan Schlong. Apparently, we're just now the two live crew, because whenever it's just two people, it's us. I mean, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I mean, but we know where everybody else is, right? Like, Kate is on a cruise somewhere, thirst, taking thirst track photos, putting them on Twitter. Uh, that is, I mean, this is a night where normally we would uh, we wouldn't look to have Matt because he's working, you know. So uh, this was just sort of like a last minute decision, though, Slong, and I'm I'm glad that we decided to do it. Oh, me too, especially again when I think about Wednesday night and how long we would have been going trying to cover two dynamites in a rampage and hear about the Jericho. Yeah, yeah, no, it it uh, it could be for a long Wednesday night, but boy, I got to fix, <laughs> fix that audio. Holy moly, I always forget. Out. Yeah, I always forget about it. And I'm like, I don't have a fader here. I can't just fade it out myself. Um... Yeah, so you're tuned into the Mark Order Podcast live here on a Saturday night. This is our bonus episode because uh, there was a Saturday night dynamite tonight live from Orlando. So we wanted to get on and chat about that a little bit because it was a pretty good show. Um, And there was also a Rampage on last night. Now, Schlong, I didn't see Rampage last night. I think I saw like two-thirds of it maybe. Like I didn't I didn't get all the way through Pac and Andrade, but we could certainly talk about it because it the rest of the show is pretty good. I mean there were a couple things I was like, yeah, this is a little weird, but like it was a pretty good show. If you want to talk about Rampage, we certainly can. Might as well. Um since it feels weird to just go to Dynamite when some of what we'll talk about plays into what happened on Rampage. Not a lot, but some of it. Um the first being this has nothing to do with dynamite, but it was the first match of the night. Orange Cassidy versus P- P- Powerhouse Hobbs. I'm sorry, I can't right. not do that because it's it's, a, it's one of those things in a song. There's certain things in a song that stick with you. Um, no, no, no. You are you are right. That is definitely every time I hear his music come on and we get to that point, I'm going to myself. Powerhouse, which makes it a great song. Like if you have that catch, it it you've done something right. Um, and also his song kind of sounds like uh, it belongs in a horror m- movie. So I like Halloween or something. So I really dig that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So Schlong, this was the first match of the night and it was one, it was the first match of the world title eliminator tournament. Uh, so we kicked that off on rampage. Now we're going to continue through. There were a couple matches we'll talk about when we get to dynamite. Um, 
But but I thought this was I thought this was a pretty good match, except for the outcome. I didn't necessarily love the outcome here. So I really like that. First of all, anytime we talk about someone like Arch Cassie, I have to establish he's one of my favorite wrestlers. So that you know, I'm coming from that place. I loved the match because Powerhouse Hobbs dominated the entire thing. Like there wasn't even a second where he was struggling. Um, I know people didn't like the outcome. However, Orange Cassidy wasn't going to lose in the first round. They've kind of already set up, set up like an Orange Cassidy Mox thing because of Wheeler Yuta. So you knew he was going to go against Mox, even though Mox hasn't won, but you know he will. Um, and Orange won because Powerhouse Hobbs made a rookie slash just young guy mistake, which he still is in terms of wrestling. And that allowed him to get that nifty pin he does. And it's not like a roll-up, you know, which I like. Um, I was listening to, because I don't want to fa- steal it from someone else. I was listening to Sean uh, Rossap talk about it because I didn't think we'd be covering it for a while. And he just pointed out that, like, it's a strong pin. He really does hook in the limbs and all. It's not just a simple roll-up. And I really am, that is part of who our Orange Cassidy is. He messes with your head until he makes you make a mistake. Um. So they do have to work on the character. He has to kind of take a step forward now, but I'm okay with it. I don't think it hurts Hobbs at all because of how dominant he looked and it was his mistake. They're just not ready to put him. I mean, he would then go against what Mox and lose to Mox, which I guess would be strong, but I don't, don't think he needs that match. Cause I think they're telling a story with Mox and I don't think powerhouse Hobbs fits that. Yeah. I mean, I just didn't like the way this played out. I just, I don't know. Uh, I get what, everything you're saying. It makes complete sense. And I understand that they've kind of set this story up with Mox and Wheeler Yuta and Orange Cassidy. Um, by the way, that pin uh, is the mousetrap. By the way, that's that's that pin. It was it's not blanking. a roll-up. Yeah, it's not a schoolboy. It's not a roll-up. It's that mousetrap. Um, but yeah, I just didn't love the way that they kind of got to this finish where... And I get what you're saying. Like, it shows the inexperience of Hobbs. But like... Hobbs literally picked up the referee and like moved him to the corner and got in his face. And then hook had to get up there and be like, Hey bro, you know, I'm hook. Listen to me, (laughs) Uh, you know, pay attention to what you're doing. And then he just kind of gets pulled up into that mousetrap. And like hook doesn't even do anything to like try to help him out. You know what I mean? Like it just, they've, they've done some of these things that I find a little weird in AEW where like, there are heels at the rings at ringside in clear reach and out of the eyes, you know, eye shot of the referee. And they don't help, you know, their uh, heel partner kind of stay in the match. Like that's happened with Camarado and, um, and Aaron Solo and, you know, uh, whatever that faction's called. I can't remember because I'm fucking over it. The factory. Um, the factory. That's it. But like, I just. Uh, I don't know. I, I didn't necessarily love it. It was a good it was a good match. And then when it hit that finish, I was just kind of like it just seemed anticlimactic to me. So what where I think they messed up if you're like again, I liked it, but I I've heard like reading online and listening to reviews and now you, I've heard a couple people say that exact same thing you said. Um so clearly I'm in the minority there of people. The only thing I think they could have done is have Orange piss off Will Hobbs by doing something so that Will Hobbs just wants to beat him and the ref is trying to stop him so that Will has a reason to move the ref, that he's so furious at whatever Orange did that he's willing to move the ref and to keep beating him. They didn't add that. So it just seems weird that he picked up the ref and moved him. It's like, why would you do that? 
You didn't need to. You had to give right. Will Hobbs a reason, and they didn't do that. But I don't. Th- you know what the nice thing is? It's we're, when you talk about it as a match, you can obviously say that flaw. Luckily, they booked these guys so strong that this isn't going to haunt Will Hobbs going forward. Like it wasn't such a weak loss where like I don't believe in him anymore. It's like no, I still do. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I don't think that this is going to necessarily hurt Will Hobbs, but. I am on board with something you kind of said, like if there was a reason for Hobbs to pull the referee to the corner, like at that point, the referee was just counting to the five count, right? Like it happened twice, but like on the second one, if the referee literally got between them and started to push back Hobbs to the point where it pissed him off enough to pick him up, move him and then get in his face in the corner and really be like, grabbing him by the shirt and really close to where the referee is going to disqualify him. And he's so distracted that then he gets pinned. I could see that. Then, then I think I could see that working, but it just seemed so lackluster. Like there was no reason for him to move him. He didn't really seem very angry at the referee. So it just seemed like he did it to do it, you know, to like the means to the end. I got to get to the other side. So orange Cassidy can come roll me up with the mousetrap and lose. So for me, that was just where it fell short. But if they yeah. did it, if they did it a little differently, it could have worked. It could have worked for me. Yeah, they absolutely designed the match, knew the outcome, and whoever was thinking about it just skipped that one step. It just so happens that one step really impacted the end. Like it would have changed everything had you given that reason. So they need to next time they do stuff like this, and hopefully they learn. There's so many smart guys. I assume they will. But they just go, Hobbs, if we ever do this again to you, let the ref, like, and you have to talk to the ref, too. I mean, it's not just on Hobbs. You have to say, like, let the ref get in between you. Like, let it get physical between you two so that you get pissed off. And then everyone, no one will question it because you could, and you have to get the announcers on board. They have to get on board and be like, oh, man, Hobbs is pissed and he's he's losing he's losing his control. And then people be like, okay, I get it. Right. Yeah, I mean, listen, it, it you know, it is what it is. It's one of those things where I think the the execution wasn't there, but if they had the execution a little tighter, it would have worked, I think, across the board. But we'll see where this goes. You know, I'm okay with kind of where we're going to the next, you know, the next stop. So we'll see what happens in the next round uh, for Orange Cassidy. Uh, they did go to... Uh, an interview segment after that with Tony Schiavone and Penta El Zero Mierdo uh, in the ring. And FTR attacks Penta. Um, two guys sitting on the outside in the super frog masks who were clearly not FTR um, distract Penta for some reason. It was just, it was fucking weird, man. Um, and, and it then, was as clearly not FTR as it was, as clear FTR was the original super frogs last week. Like there was no... No confusion. Yeah, it, it just, that was another thing where I was just like, oh, this doesn't work. Like, I get what they're trying to do, but like, you need to get a couple guys who actually look to have the same build as FTR. And that was not the two guys they had on the outside. But, um, you know, what I kind of liked about this segment was FTR went hard uh, after um, Penta. They also attacked. Um, Abrahantes, uh, and uh, Tully got involved there as well. Um, and and they they wind up holding up the AAA and AEW tag titles. Pac winds up coming in to make the save, 
and then we're kind of out. I mean, Schlong, besides the weird two guys on the outside who were supposed to be FTR, but were clearly not FTR, you know, did you like this? We're clearly trying to get to, you know, FTR versus uh, the Lucha Brothers for those AEW tag titles. I liked it for one very specific reason is because they took it that next step and attacked Alex. If it had just been another traditional beatdown of Penta, which has happened a few times in a few different directions, I would have been okay with it, but it wouldn't have stood out to me as much as attacking Alex because that's not happened to him. So, like, they definitely leveled up the aggression, which makes this feel more personal. It's like, we're not just coming after you. We're coming after your boy. We're, you know, it, it definitely helps to, that they went after him. So I did enjoy it. Um, I also love that they're continuing this feud. And now that... FTR has the AAA belts. It gives it a little bit of like they could win. They could like you're not sure what's way it's going to go because um, I could see Mexico wanting FTR because they would be over as fuck as non-Luchador heels. Yeah. You know, Luchador promotion. Holy shit. So I could see that almost working. Uh, but I loved it. Um, I loved it as soon as I saw Alex get attacked. Then I was like, holy like I was in. You, I got very excited because I'm like. They've upped the feud. They've done something they haven't done before, which is they hurt Alex. Not that he's special, but you just haven't done it. Right. No, I listen, I'm with you. I think that in AAA, FTR are extremely nuclear, right? Like, they're two guys who are clearly like, fuck flips, fuck luchadors. Like, we're all just about hard, you know, hitting. No flips, just fists. You know, um, I think that they're they're really good for that promotion as a heel group. Now, who knows how long they'll kind of work with AAA? I mean, um, FTR held those belts for like twenty three months or something crazy like that. Yeah, the the Bros had that for I think two years. I think it was two years. Yeah, but it, it was the- it was over two years. It was yeah. I remember seeing it was I think it was honestly like twenty eight months. I was just like, holy shit. <laughs> and uh Liddy Legitty. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now I get it. Um FTR Mexico is gonna be insane. He's a hundred percent right. Um that's the only reason because like, I have heard a few people online say, Oh, I'm not sure, you know, they're probably not gonna hold the belts. Why would they keep the belts on the AAA belts on FTR? It's gonna be belt versus belt, and it's just gonna go back to the Lucha Brothers. And I'm like, I don't know. If I'm triple A, I could bring in a high value heel team with just already nuclear heat. It seems like I would do it. You know, again, I'm not booking there, but it it seems perfect for them. And if there's ever a team that's going to play it up, it's those two. And they'll, they'll put on some, for some reason, they'll start putting on like these, probably these weird uh, Southern American accents and be like, you know, really feel like, all right, I'm going to make you hate me. Right. Yeah. I mean, they'll play up the fact. I think, I think they could play up the fact that like we're, we're Americans we're better than this shit. You know, they can go a thousand different ways, um, but it should be fun. And it'll be interesting to see, because again, I'm clearly thinking that we're on the way to, um, you know, uh, FTR versus the Lucha Brothers for those AEW tag titles. So uh, we're clearly lining that up. But as we move through Rampage, we also get uh, Britt Baker versus Anna J. Um, and it's not a title match. It's just, uh, you know, kind of a wretched, Oh, was it, it was a title match. I think it was, I could be wrong because they're, they're very not clear on a lot of this stuff. 
Well, either way, they didn't really play that up if it was a title match. Uh, I didn't think it was. Non-title. Um, you were right. Okay. Non-title. They just said it was kind of like a retribution match, right? Because I think um, they have fought once before, and I think uh, Britt attacked Anna Jay at one point. So either way, um, listen, we haven't seen much of Anna Jay in the ring since she's come back from injury. She's only had, I think, like a handful of matches. So it was good to see her in the ring. Um, you know, it was it was kind of the standard match you'd expect. I did not think that we were going to get a win from uh, Anna Jay. Britt Baker does wind up defeating Anna Jay um, with the lockjaw. Um, Hater is at ringside. Uh, she uh, is able to create a distraction uh, to get uh, Britt Baker out of the Queen Slayer submission. Um, you know, so it kind of goes the way you think it's going to go. But after the match, uh, Britt Baker puts Anna Jay back in the lockjaw and Tay Conti comes out to make the saves. Uh, she gets a few shots in on Britt, uh, but then Britt gets the hell out of Dodge. Uh, and, uh, Tay Conti is able to raise the championship, uh, in the ring. She clearly wants the gold. I, I don't know if we're going to get Anna Jay. Uh, as a next contender to Britt Baker, I cannot see, <laughs> uh, as much as I like Tay Conti, I cannot see her uh, taking that belt off of uh, Britt Baker, but it should be a good match if they do wind up going that way. Um, but we're still kind of, we're still kind of unclear as who's going to get Britt Baker at full gear. They have to give her somebody. Um, well, they, they did announce it tonight. Oh, they did? I'm sorry. It I, is, I it is. Yeah, I mean, there's so it is Tay Conte that he okay. she is the. It wasn't um like a big thing. It was kind of like just after I think Britt's promo, so I could see you changing your head for a second because her promo was done. And you're like, all right, I'll wait till a match. Yeah, I honestly might have been in this office setting up this broadcast. <laughs> Very possible, but um, but yeah, I mean, it, I don't know. It just they're doing so much with the women's division. Well, first of all, Shalong, before we kind of go off. What did you think of the match? So I really liked the match because it was different than I expected. They used a bunch of submission uh, holds, like uh, reversals, and uh, Anna Jay was really working the the, the choke, the, the you know, was it the Queen Slayer choke, uh, rear naked choke, but she tried it a couple different ways, and there was reversals, and she almost had her. I didn't predict that's the way they would do this match, so it got me kind of, like, got me really into it because, like, oh, you guys did something different. Um, Anna Jay still could probably be considered a rookie, for how little experience she's had because of her injuries. So to think of where she's going to end up being in this, in the wrestling, is just unbelievable because she's already so good. And I think Britt Baker, I think this was, listen, it wasn't as good as Britt Baker versus Chris Statlander, but it was a very good match to have on a rampage. Um, by no means was it disappointing. It was going to, you would be, you would enjoy the match and you seem to have enjoyed it. It wasn't your favorite, but it was like one that you're like, oh, you, you didn't, hate watching it. You're like, no, I, I get this. Um, the Tay Conte thing after I like that the what I guess like you, I got confused, not got confused, but I missed something because I thought it was a title match. The fact that it wasn't completely changes my opinion on the Tay Conte thing because I hated it thinking, all right, Anna J then Tay Conte. Now that I know that Anna J was just a grudge match. I'm like, okay, no, this makes perfect sense because Tay Conte has been yeah. wrestling and she has been built up as one of the best females in the, in the, in the division. So it makes total sense that, that she would be the, the one to, to have the next shot at full gear. She's not going to win, but, and what, when is full gear? Do you remember? 
it is, sorry, let me get the date here. Uh, it is in November. Um, Full Gear is November 13th. The only issue I have, and this has been my complaint against the for the women's division, is you're talking basically one, two, three dynamites between now and that match. And the last one is the week up. I don't like, I mean, it's better than a week build, but I don't like that they keep um, the, uh, and uh, Liddy Legitty actually also told us, so thank you for getting in there. I just wasn't looking at the comments, but uh, I, I, it just drives me nuts that they don't give extended feuds for Brit. We were getting into, I think, all the stuff they're doing with the women's division and Brit. I think you were going with, we have no idea who's actually going to, where the hell she's going to lose it or who's her actual, the first contender. We think she could lose it. I just wish they'd give them more time. Like even if, and it, even if Tecante's build have someone in the background, like a hangman page where you're like, yeah, he's not, she's not yet. Like have Thunder Rosa every now and again, mention that she wants the title. Like, and yeah. that she, had, she, she did for a little while, but then she kind of got quiet. Like let it be known that she's kind of floating out there and, that's the long-term story and feud for Brit. Let them talk about each other every now and again. And yeah. Yeah. So I, I didn't mean to cut you off long. I, you know, where I was actually going to go was the fact that it's sort of disappointing that it seems like the way that they run this division is, is that they're very hyper-focused. And what I mean by that is they have all of these stories going on for the tournament, right? They've been building all these stories that they're now sort of paying off in the tournament for the TBS championship. And we're going to talk about that because they did release the bracket. We'll get into the bracket. <clears throat> Excuse me. But um, it it just kind of like, it's so frustrating because they've, they've been doing such a good job where I was sort of like, you know, um, you know, cautiously optimistic that they could actually pull this tournament off well with the stories where that's what they're doing, but seemingly they can't figure out a long-term story with Britt Baker, right? Like that's what annoys me is there's, there's nobody now because they've got everybody preoccupied in the tournament who you would think there's all these people who could kind of be Britt's long-term story. Like you said, Thunder Rosa or even Sheeta or even deep um, to kind of create this long-term story. And they just, haven't done it with Brit. So like, you know, like you said, we've got three weeks now to build this match with Tay Conti. They're going to build it because they have to sell it for the pay-per-view, but out of what, you know what I mean? Like that's, what's frustrating is it's almost out of nowhere. And I'm, you know, that's not a knock against Tay Conti because I'm with you. They've been building her as this kind of dominant, not dominant, but this, this woman who's part of the division who can, who's one of the better women but all of a sudden, this just kind of pops up out of nowhere. You know what I mean? So it's just a little disappointing for me. Again, all you have to do is have Thunder Rosa constantly, not constantly, but every now and again, mention that she wants a title and Britt's ducking her, that Britt, Britt won't give her the, the, the match. And you have Britt mention her every now and again being like, I don't need to fight. You just signed. You're not, you, you know, you weren't all elite when you beat me. That wasn't even sanctioned. You have to wait in line. Like, constantly bring it up and 
but don't have them interact. Don't have them fight each other, except maybe every now and again, they kind of like have a stare down, but it ends. Similar to what they do with Hangman and Omega. Like Hangman would talk about the title, but he wouldn't go far. Omega would kind of like say, there's no one for me. And they'd be like, what about Hangman? And he'd ignore it. You know, that was how right. they told that story. You could tell a very similar story. And that way, and then I would have kept Thunder Rosa out of the TBS tournament. Now we can get to that later. I love the brackets actually. I ended up, I hated it at first and I ended up liking it. But the only reason I would have kept her out is so that she doesn't take a loss and that she feels like she's being dodged by Britt Baker. But clearly they don't have a long-term story in line. And that's the only thing, like you and I both see that's a problem. Like right. you need to have some long-term stories. Now I'm, the problem that AEW gives me is that if this were the men's division, I would 100% give them the benefit of the doubt and say, maybe coming out of the TBS tournament, we're going to have some very nice long-term stories and we'll be good. The problem is they've never done that with the women's division. It's only been good right. at the men's. So right. I can't really give them as much benefit of the doubt that at, like, as I would for men's because I don't see the same long-term story coming out. Like I feel like they've already built in some long-term stories for the men's eliminator as much as no one's really sold on that. I, I don't know. I, 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 we could go on forever, so we won't, but I will say to this match, another solid showing by the champ and good for Anna J. Now give Anna J a feud. That's not a tag team thing. Give her, even, you know, even if it is give her Jamie hater, you know, let them have yeah. their match so that. Yeah, no, I'm, I, I'm with you. I, I you know, it's going to be interesting. I think I'm with you 100%. I think all of us are sort of on the same page. It's like they have good intentions and they do pretty good jobs with the build to these special women's tournaments that they've done or other women's, you know, uh, no, they've all been tournaments. It hasn't even been like, uh, you know, well, they did the Battle Royales and stuff like that. Um, but they've done a pretty good job of, like, telling the story into that. It's the coming out of it that they haven't really done a great job. So, you know, we'll have to see what happens. But Shlongly did reveal the bracket for that TBS tournament. Um, so uh, here's what we found out. There were going to be uh, four uh, opening matches, right, in the bracket. And then there are four – or four first-round matches, excuse me. And there are going to be four first-round buys. And the way that they've explained that were the first four-round buys were really um, women who are, you know, kind of part of the the top-ranked uh, competitors, right? Uh, or the ones who are most deserving of it. So the they, were first, the, they were the top four-ranked women. Right. Uh, so um, therefore, they're most deserving of a buy, and those four women are Thunder Rosa, Jade Cargill, Nyla Rose, and Chris Statlander. So no beef there. I'm good with that. The first round matches, um, we had our first match uh, on Rampage, or I'm sorry, not on Rampage, uh, on Dynamite uh, tonight, uh, and we'll talk about that. It was Ruby Soho versus Penelope Ford. And then it's going to continue on next Wednesday when uh, Sheeta uh, tries again for her 50th career win. They're still making a big deal out of that. Uh, and she's going to have her rematch with Serena Deeb. Um, and then we're going to get Anna Jay versus Jamie Hayter and Red Velvet uh, and the Bunny. So listen, I don't necessarily hate, you know, these matchups. They have to have this uh, kind of drawn out tournament because they said the final will take place on the January 5th edition of Dynamite, that first one that's going to be on TBS. Um, 
so listen, I don't I don't necessarily hate this bracket. It is the first time they are doing a first round buy system. Um you know, so we'll see how that plays out. But they've got all these kind of stories lined up. So I think, you know, when you get to certain points in this tournament, you know, we can get um, you know, the right matchups uh that we'd be looking for, right? Uh like Thunder Rosa and Jake Cargill, eventually Thunder Rosa, Nyla Rose. Clearly, you know, Ruby and uh, Penelope Ford, we'll talk about that. You know, <clears throat> the bunnies out there hanging around, uh, you know, if Ruby Soho and the bunny were to make it to the same, you know, kind of place. Um, you know, so there's a lot of storytelling going on here, which I think is good. Um, you know, do you like this? Do you like this tournament setup? The, again, this being the first time they've done these this kind of buy system. Are you, Can you get into this? So I, I've kind of went on like a roller coaster on this. First, I hated it because when they before they announced contestants and they announced it was just twelve women and there are four buys. I hate it. I don't think twelve's a lot. Um, when you consider there's some regular people on the roster they're not including. You don't have legit Layla. You don't have Diamante. You don't have Abaddon, who you've always used. But you also don't have people like you could be using Kylan King. You could be using Kira Hogan. There's a whole list of women that were that have been around this this. Uh, this division since almost the beginning of the, since the beginning of the pand pandemic, when they really kind of expanded, you right. could have brought them in. It wouldn't have felt out of place. You would have had them given them, given them a chance to shine. I really would have preferred that. However, when they gave me the bracket and I realized they literally just picked their top women, I felt a lot better about it because at least they didn't give, like, I'm not going to knock, you know, I mean, I love, Diamante, I love Kylan King. Like I would never knock him. But if you took put them in and you took out someone like Sheeta, you took out someone like Thunder Rosa, who have been considered their top women, then I'd be like, so you're only giving me 12 and you're not putting your top women in. Now at least you could say, like, this is the most elite. The reason I love that is it makes the belt seem extremely elite. Like only the best right. women are going for this belt and they all want it. I have there's certain match. I love the stories they're telling, but there are certain matchups that concern me. Actually, there's one, and it's Jade Cargill versus Thunder Rosa, because I have no idea where you go with that. I we we both love Jade Cargill. Kate, shut the fuck up on the cruise, and she is going. She's already a star in this division, and she but she's going to be a mega star as soon. Like she's just getting her feet under. She's getting less and less green, but she's not there yet. Thunder Rosa is there. Thunder Rosa is a megastar. The crowds love her. She's amazing in the ring. She can cut a promo. She is there. I don't know how you, like, who's who goes down in this. I will say I I never foresaw Jade Cargill losing in this. I, I kind of still don't. I think she might be Thunder Rosa, maybe through cheating or something to protect Thunder Rosa, and she goes on because I do think that's might be where they're going. However, there is part of me that could see CJ losing and her turning not insane in like a I don't want to say insane like oh she goes crazy but like as adding to her character of like I took a loss it's never going to happen again you are going to see a vicious aggressive not cocky Jay Cargill just someone who refuses to lose like there is a character that can work from that with her but I just don't I don't know I don't see her I don't know. That's the one matchup that worries me because I just, I'm, I don't want either to lose. <laughs> yeah. You know, <clears throat> it's, um, it's sort of hard to, when you see this bracket to me, 
it's sort of hard to figure out who they're going to strap this belt to, right? Only because, like, when you start to think, like, Thunder Rosa, right? <clears throat> Does Thunder Rosa really need a belt? Probably not. She's so popular that why would you need to strap a belt to her? Because she, Shlong, you and I both are on the same page. She can be in the title shot, like the AEW women's title picture. So I, I agree. <clears throat> My only counter to that is, and it's blaming AEW, I have a fear that the only two women's matches you're going to really see revolve around the main belt and the title, the TBS belt. And I want Rosa wrestling on my TV regularly. Right. No, I listen, I'm with you. I think she needs to be on television more. Now, I don't know what her other commitments are that are hanging out there, right? I know she does a ton of work with Mission Pro Wrestling. You know, that's something she's heavily involved in. I think she's also involved with the community uh, outreach, you know, uh, uh, you know, division or, you know, group within AEW. So I don't know how many other commitments she's got going on, but I definitely want to see her on TV more. Um, but I just don't know if you need to put this TBS title belt on her because she's already so over, you know what I mean? Uh, maybe, maybe yes, because she's the first one, but then you have to get it off of her, right? And who are you going to have beat her and then say, well, she's still strong enough to be in a title hunt, right? So it's it's sort of like this delicate situation, which we're just going to have to honestly, and this is kind of, I don't think this is a bad thing, but we're just going to actually have to see how this plays out, which is kind yeah. of exciting. That normally, because of the way people treat it with WWE, see how it plays out has become a negative thing. And with pretends to be with women in, in AEW, see how it plays out has been a negative thing. But I'm gonna, I'm actually... The reason I have to say see how this plays out is because I just they could go three or four directions and they all make sense. Right. There are a lot of outs for them and they do all legitimately make sense. Um Liddy also is asking, what about Jade versus Nyla or Chris in the final? I, I don't think that that's bad. I just don't know like from a perspective of people who, who would win in those situations, right? Like <clears throat> I don't know if Jade's ready to hold a belt. And I like Jade, but I just don't. I think she's she still comes across very green uh, in different situations. Um, Nyla is supposed to be this monster who never wins in a big situation. So I don't know if that's the right way to go. Chris, I can definitely see doing it, right? Like, they continually build her up as this powerhouse in the women's division. You know, this strong you know, competitor in the women's division. She had her title shot against Britt Baker. I don't think anybody thought she was going to win because the belt just went on to Britt. But she had a good showing. I, I like Chris Statlander a lot. And if they put that title on her, I don't think it's a bad thing. It's just all about how you get there. That has to make sense to me, right? Like, she can't steamroll, you know, Jade. Or she can't steamroll Thunder Rosa. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm not looking at the bracket, so I don't know if the matchups would get there. Right? It actually, but, no, it does. Nyla and uh, Statlander on the other side. Thunder Rosa and Cargill, Cargill on the other. So you could have any of those matchups. Statlander, I could see Karen. I don't yet. And I like, I actually like Nyla Rose. I think she might, should probably go face at this point because I think she's got enough personality that she could get over with that. But I don't want to see her versus Cargill. I don't think Nyla can carry Jade to a good match. I think Statlander can. Yeah. Um, so that's if they're gonna go the Cargill route route, you have to I think it has to be Statlander. It all comes down to how they view the TBS title. The TNT title is your kind of like your 19 
I want to call it like 94 when Sean and Brazier were competing for, but even higher ranks, but intercontinental title where the best matches are happening on the TNT title, or if not the best, the most frequent high quality matches. Like they're constantly giving you sure. the matches there. If Jade holds that title, I love Jade, but she's just not going to be the same level. So if you don't want it to be the equivalent of the TNT being your best match, then they're clearly going to use it. If it's Jade, they're going to use it differently. It's not going to be your best matches. It's going to be a show title. It's going to be like right. she has her quick and, and who could take it, which is it can work. I just they haven't. I, they haven't earned that kind of trust yet because they've failed. A, this women's division a few times, and that's not the competitor's fault. That is 100% booking's fault that they constantly seem to not understand the women they have working for them. Like, we just named some of the most talented women out there, and they still struggle to book this division. I don't understand it. Well, I, I think that they have a lot of the pieces in place in this tournament to have a good kind of outcome Again, let's see how they get there. It's it's kind of exciting to say we're going to have to see how they get there. I do agree um, with that. <clears throat> you know, because there are a few outs to this. Um, so we'll revisit that momentarily when we get to Dynamite and talk about Ruby versus uh, Penelope. Um, but we get to our main event in the night. Now, uh, Shivani's filling in for Mark Henry. They do their split-screen interview, and then uh, we get into the match. Pac versus Andrade. This is the second match. Now, they make a point of saying everybody is barred from ringside. So this is going to be just Pac and Andrade. Uh, Schlong, you'll have to take us through the match, but I can at least tell you the outcome here is Pac winds up defeating Andrade. Uh, and then after the pin, the lights go out. And when they come back on, Malachi Black is in the ring. He spits mist at Pac. And then um, uh, the bastard gets beaten up. Uh, by uh, Malachi and Andrade. But that's when Arn Anderson comes down the ramp. Uh, both heels uh, lock eyes with him as he uh, pulls out his Glock and shoots him, as Schlong is doing on our video feed. Uh, and then Cody Rhodes comes from behind them, uh, clotheslines Andrade out of the ring, and then he gets the better of Malachi, goes to get him with a chair, but uh, Malachi is able to escape from the ring as Rampage ends for the evening. So they're clearly getting to uh, the Dynamite match, which we will talk to. Now, Schlong, I, like I said, I, this is the one match I didn't see. I got through like two-thirds of Rampage, um, but this was a match I didn't see. I knew the outcome actually like Wednesday when we were talking about this. So I'm not mad that I you know, know who wins. I'm very interested in seeing how we get to the finish here because I think these two guys can go. Uh, what did you think of this match? It was incredible. Like, go back and watch it. Even knowing the outcome, this match was incredible. It topped their first match, and their first match was incredible. Um, there was a Frankensteiner off the, the apron that just was insane. There was a top rope. Uh, I guess it's considered a brain, but I think it's a brain buster where like you have them in like almost like a suplex, but instead of going over, you drive the head down. So it was a top yeah. rope brain buster that literally made me cringe in fear for Andrade because Pac's the one who delivered it. Um, Pac. Uh, it was fucking amazing. I like, I, I won't do it justice talking about it. Those two moves I can remember off the top of my head. There was just so many holy shit moments. Sometimes you had to go back and watch and be like, wait, why are they chanting holy shit now when three seconds ago this just happened? Like there's just so much going on. These two understand each other in a way that truly great wrestlers do they they get how their styles match up 
Um, I like that no one was at ringside. There was no shenanigans. This was because it made this match so fucking good. You had a clean win. The lights going out and Malachi standing in the ring was awesome. And I like how quickly it happened. Like literally as soon as the pin happened, they were out. They don't usually do it that quick in wrestling. Usually there's like a few seconds where he's celebrating and then the lights go out. Um, Liddy Legitty called it brain buster from hell. I mean, I was worried. I was like, if you tell me he's injured, I will. I, I won't be shocked. Um, Arn coming down and doing the gun has created the best gifts ever. You know, people being, you know, having him shoot random things and it's just been great. Uh, Cody making the save makes sense. Andrade doing, doing this makes sense because he just paid FTR to take the titles off the Lucha Brothers. So like this whole thing and, and Malachi Black doing it makes sense because he wants to shoot. Uh, so um so the seed of chaos he wants people to be you know the whole place to be crazy so every part of this i, I was really digging the um we won't talk more but just go back and watch it that's all i'm gonna say to you is go back and watch it oh i for sure will i actually like stopped it on my dvr and i was like all right i'm gonna sit and watch this i'm probably when we end tonight gonna go finish it out <clears throat> just so i can see it um but yeah i thought you know, for what I saw, it was a pretty good episode of Rampage, you know, uh, pre-taped, but, um, you know, still a really strong uh, showing for a Friday night. Three pretty good matches. You know, as we said, we were, you know, I was kind of uh, down on the way they got to a couple places here, but um, all in all, another nice showing for them on a Friday night uh, where, uh, you know, uh, TNT is clearly looking for content. Um Liddy's asking, Liddy asking, go ahead, Saul, go ahead. Are we going to get a tag from this? I'm not going to address this yet. I want to address this when we get to, to Rhodes versus to Malachi. Because I think sure. that, I think some of that gets answered there. I, I agree. So we will touch on that, Liddy. Stay tuned. Um, Schlong, I think actually this is probably a good time because we weren't planning on talking about uh, uh, Rampage. We just kind of threw it in. I think we should take a, a short break. Uh, and just kind of reset ourselves before we get into talking about Dynamite tonight, which was a good show. Um, at least I thought it was a good show. You'll hear our analysis and takes on that. But uh, before we get there, we're going to take, like I said, a short break uh, because we're part of the Shining Wizards Network. We're very proud to be part of the Shining Wizards Network. And did you know there's a lot of other great programming schlong on the Shining Wizards Network? No, I didn't. Well then you should listen to this commercial break about some of the other great content that's part of the Shining Wizards Network. Everyone knows a lot of things can change in the span of 10 years. But when it comes to professional wrestling podcasting, one thing is still guaranteed. The Shining Wizards is the only place to get all the latest wrestling news, interviews with the greatest guests, and of course, tons of laughs in discussing the world of wrestling. The show is still available on Monday nights at 7 p.m. East on RantDMRadio.com and Rant Entertainment Media on the TuneIn app. And it's still available on all podcasting platforms. To check us out, head over to ShiningWizards.com where it's still wrestling talk and talk about wrestling. Because of the obvious threat to untold numbers of citizens and because of the crisis which is even now developing, this radio station will remain on the air day and night. This station and hundreds of other radio and TV stations throughout this part of the country are pooling their resources through an emergency network hookup to keep you informed of all developments.
Horns up, everyone. When on the Shining Wizards Network, be sure every Friday to check out Radioactive Metal. Radioactive Metal is one of the longest-running podcasts on the interweb, and every week we bring you a fistful of metal, including interviews with all your favorite artists, discuss all the metal news, and feature the best tunes on the air today. So grab a Lemmy, join your cool Uncle Snowy, and co-host Aaron in the pit. Your recognized symbol of excellence in sports entertainment broadcasting from the current to the way back. Join the impact player Phil Rea and the Portuguese Man of War Choppy for the Turnbuckle Throwbacks Wrestling Podcast. Live every week on RantEMRadio.com. Get all our episodes over at iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Audio Boom, Google Play, ShiningWizardsNetwork.com, and TurnbuckleThrowbacks.com. Are you tired of being told what to think and believe by Hollywood elites and politicians who just don't care about you? Tired of not getting the truth when you watch the news? Tired of trying to figure out what pronoun to use? Tired of mob mentality when all you want to do is think for yourself and make up your own mind? That's where we come in. This is Justin. And Vince. Your host of Inconclusive Breakdown. We are a weekly anti-PC podcast bringing you entertainment and current event news without any spin. If you want to truly stay informed on what's going on in the world, then give us a listen every Sunday, anywhere you get podcasts, at least till Zuckerberg and Twitter Jack deplatform us. And as always, we're proud members of the Shining Wizards Network. Tired of the PC police telling you what you can and cannot say? Want a show that travels back to the 80s and 90s where the badass hosts have beaten down cancel culture on three separate occasions and carried on to gloat about it? Since 2013, The Midnight Jury is that show. Travel back to the malls and arcades, pop in your VHS, and join us where the 80s and 90s return from the dead. Conan, tell them where to find us. WLWstudios.com, home of the Midnight Jury podcast, hosted by Midnight Mike and Calvin Brody. Also available on all major podcast platforms via the Shining Wizards Network, and join in the conversation on Twitter at Midnight Jury. What's up, wrestling fans? You want something awesome? Check out Wrestling Night in Canada here on the Shining Wizards Network, where three Canadian metalheads uniting for the love of pro wrestling. Every episode, we go over all the latest news and special events with the odd, unique interview as well. So grab a cold one and check out Wrestling Night in Canada, eh? Hey. Schlong. Uh I'll say this. I uh I need to figure out how to get in touch with some of those heavy metal shows. I'd love to talk about heavy metal and other things with uh some of these other guys. Uh but Me anyway. too, just to piss everyone off. <laughs> Why you'll be like, you know what I really love? Blake 182 and Green Day. Just complete opposites like of what oh, yeah. they're probably talking about. They're probably talking about like cannibal corpse and deicide, and you're like, you know who I really can get into? Uh, I can really get into, uh, like, you know, Nathaniel Radcliffe or whatever his name is. Guys, I like to go really hard. So, like, the hardest I go is, like, Disturbed, everyone. 
I mean, listen. I'll say this. There's not. There's nothing wrong with a little disturbed in your life. There's nothing wrong with that one disturbed song that they've made into six albums. Yeah, they are very much in the pocket with some of their music, most of their music. But I'll tell you this: they got some bangers in their catalog. They absolutely do. I'm not actually insulting Disturbed so much as saying like a metal guy hearing that's to me like the hardest you go. I know where that would land me. Listen, where I started in in heavy music to where I am now is like light years away. But uh, Shlong, before we move ahead with Dynamite, I just want to remind everybody, you can find us on social media at Mark Order Pod. Uh, so give us a follow. See what we're doing. Shlong is killing it on the Twitter machine. Uh, we post some stuff on uh, Instagram. You know, most of the time it's match cards for what we're going to discuss for the night on Dynamite and stuff like that. But uh, when we're actually out and about and it shows, we try to post some stuff up. We've been getting out to more and more shows um, <clears throat> as they're getting to our area. Uh, so uh, keep it locked on our social, but also we have these uh, free stickers uh, that we are giving away. So if you would like some free stickers, just f- give us a follow on our social channels, any one of them, and then shoot us a DM with your name and address. And I will send it out uh, as soon as humanly possible. Uh, and um, comes with a nice letter. So it's not just an empty envelope with some stickers. We send you a thank you letter, too. So uh, if you want some, just let us know where to send them. We'll send them out worldwide. Uh, And thank you to everybody who has already reached out uh, and gotten some stickers. We're getting kind of low on stickers. I think I might need to uh, place a reorder (laughs) soon, to be honest. And maybe, you know what? Maybe we'll do like another version of a sticker. Maybe we'll do the round one, just with the hand logo or something like that. Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah, that's a, nice, so, that's a nice sticker. So stay tuned, everybody. But thank you for all those who have uh, reached out and support us. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, so, Shlong, let's get into it. Let's talk about uh, Dynamite tonight. Uh, and we open up <clears throat> with a world uh, world title eliminator tournament match. Uh, and it is uh, the American uh, Dragon Brian Danielson versus Dustin Rhodes. Uh, this is a first-round match uh, a tournament, and let's cut to the finish real quick, Schlong. Um, this, I don't think we thought this was going to go any different, but it was the American Dragon winning by a referee stoppage with that guillotine choke. Um, man, uh, I'll just say this, and then I want your, I want to get your take, and then we'll kind of chat about it. Um, coming into this, I was sort of like, you know, like, why do I kind of care about Dustin Rhodes versus, you know, Brian Danielson? And then as they're wrestling, I'm like, oh, that's why. Because these two guys can actually, like, these guys can wrestle. And I'm not saying there's guys who can't wrestle, but, like, for... Well, there are, Daniel- but not in AEW. Right. Um, <clears throat> for for one of his first matches, right? Like Brian Danielson, he's only had a handful of matches. And this was actually, when you think about the booking, a very smart match to put him in. Because again, it's just a match that's sort of like a matching of styles, right? Guys who can be technical and also hit pretty hard. Um, and it was a really fun match. What do you think about this? First of all, I'm going to get Bridie over. You wait and see. It's going to get over, so everyone be aware. Um, I really enjoyed it. I want to know what the fuck Dustin puts in his face paint that makes him wrestle like he's 35 because he's actually better now than I think he was in his thirties. I think I, I know it is sober, sober clean living has really helped him out, 
fucking unbelievable. I mean, this match, and it was a great, they both, I mean, I'll talk about the Cody match later, but the thing I love about Cody is that he tells stories in his matches. Well, so does Dustin, and so does Bridie. They all tell stories. And so you had two guys who tell stories and they were on the same page. Fucking awesome. And to win with a different submission that you want than you've won with your other matches is just making him look so deadly and just so different than what he was in WWE. And not knock on that, just what he is now. This was perfect. I think this is what was not needed, but this was actually was what was needed to get this. Um, I know the tournament kicked off last night, but this was on dynamite, like the first of these tournament matches on dynamite. I really think it sets a tone of like, you know, these are really good guys going at it. And you wondered why Dustin Rhodes was in it. This is why, because he delivers an amazing fucking match against arguably the best wrestler in the world, or at least, you know, top five. Yeah. You know, I, um, I think to your point about uh, having a different submission and this match, I think I actually brought this up a week or so ago. The fact that we're not just seeing the cattle mutilation, right? We're not just seeing the label block, uh, the label lock. Um, it, it's to your point. I love it that every everything out of him can end a match, right? He's that dangerous where anything he does can end the match almost instantly, and it's awesome because it also backs up everything he said coming in is. I want to see who's elite. I am a wrestler. Uh, And this is what wrestlers do, right? They're not just like throwing out one finishing move. Uh, He's dangerous in multiple ways. Um, I loved it. I agree with you. Uh, Dustin, man, just just at this point in his career, just can continue to go out and have matches uh, that are just really high quality, uh, high caliber matches are, is, is awesome. Um, so a really fun opener to the night, uh, and, and a really clean, clean match. Uh, another really good match out of Danielson. So he's going to move on in the tournament. Um, we do get the elite cutting a promo backstage. Uh, after this, Kenny Omega says, uh, he wishes he could say he's excited, uh, to team with his boys against the dark order. Uh, but tagging with hangman page felt like, uh, Halloween. Always standing next to a man, cosplaying as a cowboy. He knows Adam's insecurities. He knows that one-on-one against him, he's burning through diapers faster than he's burning through moonshine. And if people knew uh, Paige like Kenny Omega does, they wouldn't chant cowboy cowboy shit. They'd chant coward shit. And then we go to break. So, Schlong, clearly we're building to this match now at... um, at full gear. And this is the match that we've been wanting to see for so long. And I love this because it's now become personal, right? Uh, You know, we all remember these guys held those tag titles and that moment where Adam page looked like he was going to turn. And then he held back and he didn't turn after that tag team match with the bucks. I mean, it was just perfect. And now we're going back to the past, right? about how Kenny Omega knows Adam Page, you know, inside and out, uh, and that he's so insecure. Uh, I love this. I just love this promo. Uh, It wasn't kind of crazy Kenny. It was, you know, Kenny for real. Uh, So I really like this. What did you think about this promo? So you're going to need a promo from, from Kenny like this every once in a while. To remind, I mean, you don't need reminders of why he's so good in the ring, but I think every once in a while it keeps him grounded a little bit. 
that he's just not a goofball. He's he's got real fire in him. Uh, I really enjoyed the promo. Uh, I don't know why, but in my head, I know he would say coward shit, but I kept thinking he said cowardice, and I was like, oh, that's really clever. You know, there's kind of like a the words kind of flow the same, but no, he went with coward shit. Um, I want to mix this in. Can we talk at the same time about the Dark Order segment? Because I think they kind of relate really well together. Uh, yeah, if you want. I know it comes up later in the show, but if you'd like to talk about it, we certainly can. Only because I'd like so. You have um, hang, uh, Omega come out and calling Adam Page coward and, and calling him, you know, saying all this nasty stuff. And then, then you, have a, you have a Dark Order promo where they're hanging around and Adam Page walks up and it wasn't this giant moment, this giant, like, re, you know, reuni- reuniting the group. It was very casual, except there's this moment where he just goes, you were right. You guys were doing it right. Let's go. And I'm like, he's not like, they're trying to tell a story that he's not the same hangman. And that's a great juxtaposition of like, Omega still thinks he's this coward. Meanwhile, Kenny, I mean, meanwhile, hangman's owning up to everything that's been going on. I just feel like that's a really good juxtaposition of the stories of like Omega, why Omega could lose is he doesn't realize that Hangman's changed and Hangman has changed. Right. No, I, I totally agree with, with uh, your points there. I, I honestly don't think there's anything else to add because I agree with you. You know, it's, you know, uh, almost like Kenny's living in the past, right? And Omega has moved on and he's now, um, kind of changed from who he was. So I think this is going to play out really nice. I think this build to this match is going to be good. Again, they have like three weeks to get there. Uh, this is a match that everybody's wanted for a long time. So, um, you know, again, it's kind of like, let's see how they get there. I don't know how much heavy lifting they have to do. I think this match sells itself. Well, this is one where you told the story for a year so that this, when you only have three, you know, they actually have like four weeks, I guess, after he won it. So that when you only have sure. four weeks, you don't need to rush to it because you built it for a year. So you have all that backstory. You have all this back. Everyone understands what has happened. Yeah. And that's why when we talk about the women, not telling long-term stories, here's the problem. If you tell nothing long-term, you can never take advantage of a year's worth of a build to then say, this is now not every, I don't know if AEW is ever going to hit on something like this again. I mean, this was fucked. Like the story they told here, relied heavily on things going the right way. They're people getting over in the right way. And just, there's always luck. I mean, WCW got lucky with the sting thing. Like there's always luck in this, but even if they'd only been building it for three months, this is the payoff. Like when you only have four weeks, you don't need to do anything special. They can just talk a little shit for over the next four weeks and people are going to be fucking thrilled. Yeah. You know, and, and to your point, um, you know, stories like this kind of come along, uh, you know, they don't come along every day, right? Like this story had this long, long build. Um, you know, you think back to other kind of classic stories that were told like this, you know, look at the mega power story, right? The, the mega powers joining forces and then exploding, you know, and the little things that they had to kind of put in place along the way. This is very much to me like that. Um, so I'm I'm so excited for this, um, and I can't wait to see the rest of the build they have going along. I think they have some. There's the chance to, to have some fire promos uh, along the way. Uh, so um, 
we'll talk again, even though we talked about, we'll touch on the Dark Order segment later. You know, we can kind of go through exactly what they said. But um, moving on from this, uh, we do get an FTR uh, promo. Uh, and they're proud of being the AAA World Champion, uh, World Tag Team Champions, but they need the AEW World Tag Team Championship uh, to really cement their legacy as a team. And then the Lucha Brothers, or sorry, Penta and uh, Abrahantes get time uh, to kind of come back. Uh, Abrahantes is all bruised up after getting punched in the face, uh, and they say um, that basically revenge is coming. Uh, so clearly, you know, I think this is where. Uh, we're going right. I think that uh, FTR are going to get that title shot, and these are two teams I can't wait to see in the ring again uh, for AEW uh, titles. Now that you know uh, the Lucha Brothers know who they're getting, right? Uh, so it's not a surprise. Uh, you know, what do you think about the segment? And and again, the fact that Abrahantis is all bruised up. You know, uh, I love that. I, I love it. So. It's amazing I forgot to put FTR on the banner when I really liked their their part of it because they're like, um, you know, the Lucha Brothers are making more money because they have those belts. I love that. It's a subtle thing as to why that matters to you, that the belt, yes, there's pride, but there's also money on the line. There's It always adds a little bit extra, and I really enjoyed their side of it. But it, it really was brought home by the Penta and Alex thing. Alex being beat up, Penta being fired up. Like, you need that. You needed the champs to hate the contenders as much as they possibly could. And their only way they did that was with that attack. And this promo showed that it worked. So now I'm hyped for a match that I would have been hyped for anyway, because they're so good. Like, how can you not yeah. be hyped for FTR versus Lucha Bros? But now I'm hyped for a totally different reason. Cause there there's fire in this match. And there's a reason that these two teams hate each other. And I'm excited for it. And then again, I like the small stuff that FTR does, like saying the money, saying stuff like that. I always think that's a nice touch that really puts things over. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a good feud here going into uh, what I would assume will be a match of full gear. Um, <clears throat> after this, we get Sting. Uh, I'm sorry. We get Sting in the ring. Uh, and Shivani is asking him, uh, if he could kind of talk about uh, Darby Allen, how he's doing after the attack. And just as Sting is about to speak, MJF makes his entrance. And MJF says the last thing he wants to do is embarrass an icon in front of all these schmucks in Orlando. Uh, and he's here to have a gentleman's chat. Uh, he thinks Sting doesn't want to tell the truth. Darby Allen isn't coming back. Uh, and you can distract them by painting your face, the fans that is, by painting your face, uh, swinging a bat. Uh, but Sting isn't understand what Sting isn't understanding, basically, is that um, it's easy to fool people uh, that solve their problems with gun violence and incest. <laughs> uh, he also brings up Lex Luger being in a wheelchair, and Sting then drops him with a right hand. They brawl in the corner. Um, you know, they basically, uh, start fighting, uh, and then Sean Spears and Wardlow, um, you know, kind of come in to help make the save. Uh, the numbers game eventually overwhelms Sting, and Spears is able to beat him down with a chair. Goddamn Sting. <laughs> uh, MJF, uh, basically takes a seat in the chair and talks to Darby. He asks if he's, uh, broken him mentally yet. Uh, he cradles Sting's, uh, unconscious body. Uh, 
Uh, and then he wants Alan to understand something that no matter how many times people chant his name, no matter how bad they want to see him come back, if Darby comes back, uh, he'll always fall short and be second best to MJF and MJF alone. Uh, he's the past, the present, and future of professional wrestling. And then as Sting starts to get back up, MJF returns to the ring and drops him with the ring-assisted right hand. And we go to break. So Schlong, some real fucking heat again coming off MJF. Uh, my goodness. Talking about Lex Luger uh, being in a wheelchair and gun violence and incest. My goodness. Uh, I'm going to ask, what did you think about this segment? Holy shit. Um, honestly, the gun violence and incest line hit me less than the Lex Luger one, because Jesus, that's personal. Um, I'm assuming he had the common decency to ask beforehand, to be like, hey, I'm going to say something that's fucking dark and personal, because holy shit. I mean, I did not see him referencing Lex Luger being in a wheelchair anywhere. Now, am I too beat up about it? Up, beat up about it? Not really. Fuck Lex Luger, Lex Luger but uh, holy shit. And Sting hitting him right as he said it made it feel even better. And then beating down Sting and MJF's promo and Darby after was great. Um, I think MJF, when he gets serious and delivers a, a good promo like that, is a lot of fun. Because um, a lot of times he's giving those over-the-top heel promos. So when he digs down deep and, and gives you like an aggressive one, I think there's a lot to it. Uh, there's more later, but fucking awesome. Jesus Christ. I'm still in shock that I want to know if anything comes out of this tomorrow. Like People are like, who was pissed off? Who wasn't pissed off? Like, because Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean, listen, MJF has been on a real streak lately uh, with these uh, promos. I mean, he just, um, it's nice seeing him do what he does when he's not kind of in this um, faction versus faction feud, right? Like, he he's really kind of, I mean, he's been good, right? But now we're really getting to see uh, what he can do and how good he is on the mic and clearly uh, has no problem going where other people might be like, I don't necessarily want to talk about this. He knows his character, right? And um, it's it's awesome. Uh, I, I think it's great. Uh, people are, I think, always going to be mad about the stuff he says, but man, he's a heat magnet, so let it happen. Let it fucking happen. Um when we get back from commercial, uh, Shivani is interviewing his BFF backstage, Dr. Britt Baker. Uh, and she cuts a promo saying how great she is uh, and how if Tay Conti had just climbed up the ranks the right way, she'd be happy to fight her. But she took a, court, uh, a shortcut, so she's happy to show everyone her ass. Um, so, Schlong, you look like you have something to say. Why would Britt tried to condemn Tay Conte for having the kindness in her heart to show the world her, such a fine feature. It seems like she hates her for being awesome, which is showing off what God gave her, and that's wrong. Um, it's also a great way to use Tay Conte's Instagram posts and stuff, but also downplay how good she is. Like it, It's a great classic heel promo. Um, it's going to get the male audience to hate her because they don't want those pictures to go away. Um, it, it's, it made sense the whole way through. I, I enjoyed it, but it just fuck you, Britt. Don't say anything about those pictures. 
like Millionaire Matt would say, that coolie. Oof, my goodness. Um, yeah, this was Brippy and Brit. Uh, just more good stuff out of Brit. So we'll see where we go with uh, Take Conti. Uh, but after this schlong, we get Penelope Ford versus Ruby Soho. This is the first of the AEW TBS Championship tournament uh, first round matches. Um, Ruby Soho is able to win by pinfall. I think it was with the Guido clutch. Um, towards the end of this, um, you know, there is uh, Penelope Ford uh, is able to, um, or, or I'm sorry. The bunny is able to come down at ringside. Now she's sort of distracting uh, uh, Ruby. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then um, at one point tries to pass the brass knuckles. That kind of gets botched. Uh, Rick Knox actually sees the brass knuckles and he kicks them out of the ring so they can't be gotten to. And that's eventually what does in, um, you know, Penelope Ford. Post match, Ruby's ready to take on both Penelope Ford and uh, the bunny. Uh, but Red Velvet comes out to make the save and helps run them off. Uh, so uh, that is to set up uh, Red Velvet is going to get uh, the bunny in her first round match. So it's, you know, kind of keeping these stories moving along in this tournament. Um, Schlong, what would you think about this match? It had, it, I liked it. Um, I think like most Penelope Ford matches, <laughs> had a couple awkward moments, but when they kind of got each, when they kind of got into a flow, it got much better. Um Ruby is very, very over still. They haven't killed that off, which is good. I was worried, you know, that's always the worry with the women's division, what happens. But uh, she looked she looked really good. Like I said, just a couple awkward moments, but overall, I really enjoyed it. The ending made sense. I like that of all the refs, it was Rick Knox that found, that saw the brass knuckles. He actually saw something. Um, right. I love, I, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense that Velvet came down to save her. Um, because it's like, why wouldn't you want Ruby to get her ass kicked? You might have to face her down the road, but at the same point, you might want help if the bunny comes after you with them. So, like, I get it. Like, there's I'm trying to logic it because that faces always help each other out. Things sometimes gets a little like, what are you doing? Um, but no, it was good. It was it was a good match. It was a good first open round match. Uh, you knew Ford wasn't going to win, but she is a big name in the division, and I want to see her keep having matches because I feel like she just needs to keep getting reps and she'll get better and better. Ruby doesn't. Ruby's awesome. Uh, so she's, she's, we don't even talk about, she could win the fucking thing. I mean, she's that over. She could come in and win it. Yeah. So we don't even think about it, but she could be there. So really excited. Uh, it was a good match and a, an expected ending. Overall, it was good. Yeah. And I'm with you on, um, actually, thank God, like, Knox saw the brass knuckles and, like, tried to get them out of the ring. Right. Like that would have been egregious. I think we would have been here talking about Jesus Christ, Rick Knox, like they're right in front of you. Do something. Uh, but, you know, he did the right thing uh, as far as, uh, you know, Red Velvet coming out. I'm, I'm kind of with you. It's almost like, you know, yeah, when you think logically, like, why would you do that? That's a heel, you know, thing. Like you said, you know, it's faces helping faces, you know, so I get it. Um, and I think also it's just obviously to build interest to their match, right? Um, <clears throat> so we'll see what happens. Maybe maybe Ruby uh, comes back uh, to help Red Velvet, you know, uh, if she's going to get jumped and maybe we get a series of tag matches. This can just continue the stories beyond the tournament. Um, 
but we'll see what happens. Um, as far as your point of Ruby could win this, I agree with you. Ruby certainly could uh, make it through and kind of be the person to take this belt. Again, my only question to you or anybody would be, does Ruby really need the belt? And probably not. But does the belt need Ruby or Thunder Rosa is a better question. No, I listen, that's a totally valid point, right? To to your point with the TNT title, you know, you look at the, the first person they strapped it to and then the run that, you know, uh, the run that, uh, you know, Cody went on with it, bringing in, you know, indie talent, you know, highlighting the belt and how important it was. I, I don't disagree with you. But, you all, you know, for me, I always have to think, like, does this person actually need the belt, right? And I think, you, you know, they could put it on Rosa and they could put it on... Um, they could put it on uh, Ruby because they'll be the ones to have good matches and kind of highlight the importance of that belt being the first person to hold it. You know, the only thing would be how do you then get it off of them and help them continue to look strong? You know, that, that's my only... I think you have that problem thing. with Thunder Rosa. I don't think you have that problem with Ruby Rose. Ruby Riot. It's Ruby Soho. Jesus Christ, I'm all over the place with Rubies. Ruby I was reading an article. She was the Batwoman, right? Because I was reading an article the other day where she was complaining about treatment on set. Yeah, I that's why that name's right. been in my head. Yeah, but anyway, and plus she's in the Meg, and that was just on before Dynamite. Yes, so like I was thinking was. about her. Anyway, Ruby Soho could could win the belt and lose, and there's no issue getting it off her. Thunder Rosa, there's a bit more because you are, I think, going to make her Brits the one to take down Brit. So I agree. There's a difference between her and Thunder Rosa in that respect, and that Ruby could. You don't worry about getting the belt off her. So, right. but either way, it does go back to our point about the tournament that there are a bunch of options that make sense. Ton of options, and uh, we'll see what happens in our next match. Um, we get MJF returned to our screen, Schlong, and he's backstage to call Darby Allen out. All of a sudden, the War Dog shows up, and Wardlow's asking MJF why he threw him in front of Sting last week. And MJF apologizes, saying it was fight or flight, and he'd never do it on purpose. <clears throat> and Warlow's doing a great job, but that's a lot of pressure for one person. So he's assigned Sean Spears as his accountability buddy. And then MJF leaves the two of them to hang out, and we go to a break. So Schlong, I loved hearing accountability buddy. Uh, if you're a South Park fan like I am, uh, that popped you. Um interesting here because we've been talking about for a while like Wardlow we think has to turn face and go off or even if he doesn't turn face he might have to go off and do his own thing and this might be the catalyst for it Cabilla buddy popped me so hard well I I'm so confused I'm, I'm a little curious <laughs> um, but uh yeah that was um the only thing that bothers me is like, why'd you wait a week to ask? But whatever, I get over that. That's wrestling. You have to do that. Uh, I like Sean Spears' reaction when he found out he was the accountability buddy. He had a look on his face like, oh shit. So, <laughs> right. I'm I, I like that. So I'm very. I mean, listen, Warlow's gonna have his turn on MJF moment, and I'm very excited for it because it. I think he's gonna turn face. Um, what happens after that, I have no idea, but. That moment, I think fans are just going to lose their shit when he finally turns his back on MJF. 
yeah, it, it is coming. Uh, it is certainly coming. Uh, and I think this is kind of the start of that. At some point, we'll get there. Uh, Schlong, we had uh, Anthony Green versus Bobby Fish. And this was, um, I think, announced earlier today or maybe later in the day. Uh, but listen, I I was excited to see to to hear that we were going to see Anthony Green and Bobby Fish uh, because Anthony Green's a guy who they've been you know uh, using on darks. Um, Anthony Green can wrestle, but boy oh boy, uh, this match and not to say it was bad, but holy fuck, like this whole match, I felt like Bobby Fish had a personal uh, vendetta against Anthony Green, like. These shots looked vicious, and um, some of these kicks and the way that Bobby Fish was moving green around that ring looked crazy, like, move where the fuck I tell you, and do what the fuck I tell you to do, or I'm going to kick your head off. Like, it was crazy. Uh, Bobby Fish does win by pinfall with that uh, roundhouse kick. Uh, I think he calls it the last rights. And then post-match, uh, after Anthony Green is kind of laid out in the ring and recovering, Bobby Fish gets back, uh, comes back in the ring to take uh, Anthony's Green, Anthony Green's legs out um, and then follows it up with, like, mounted punches. And Paul Turner's trying to talk sense into him. Uh, he puts, uh, Bobby Fish puts a sleeper hold on uh, Anthony Green. And then... CM Punk comes out to make the save. And they're drawn at each other. So Bobby Fish leaves the ring. CM Punk and Fish are drawn at each other. And it looks like we're probably going to get, wink, wink, uh, CM Punk and uh, Bobby Fish. So, Schlong, what do you think about the match? And what is your uh, outlook on Bobby Fish and CM Punk? Because they did announce that they're going to have a match on Dynamite Wednesday night. So like you, I was like, holy shit, did he, did he rob him or something? Did he, did he steal money from his grandmother? Like, what the fuck? I really hope Anthony Green was consulted before this and made to feel like, um, like made aware of like, hey, I'm going to be stiff today. Is that okay? Anthony Green was like, yeah, let's go for it. Because um, if he was, great on Anthony Green because he sold it like a million fucking bucks. And Anthony Green's been showing up recently, so looks like he might have a future in, in AEW, and that's good because he's a really good wrestler. But holy shit. I will say this did wonders for Bobby Fish because, you know, he'd come in and he'd taken a loss to to, to Bridie and, and it was just, you know, he had a win, but like he needed a, something to show like how fucking good he is and looking like a monster, look great. Uh, the after the match stuff, Punk saving him. So here's what I'm going to say. I've, I've seen on Twitter and a couple other places, people, some people, not all. Some people were like, this doesn't make sense. They were pissed off. They think, oh, Bobby Fish has to go over because then it's just CM Punk burying people and it's a line of people he's going to beat. First of all, it makes perfect fucking sense if you think about it. One, he knows Bobby Fish. They both, I was looking up on my phone, but they would have both been in ROH at least for some time together. Bobby Fish is older than people remember, I think sometimes. So yep. they would have known each other. Punk, when he came in, said he was all about the young talent. So what's one of the fucking things you're going to do is when you see a young talent being taken advantage of by a guy you know it's going to piss you the fuck off and you're going to run to the ring. Like that is perfectly in line with who CM Punk is that if he saw someone legitimately taking advantage of talent, he would be angry about it. So that fits perfectly. And Bobby fish does not have to go fucking over. Let's just be clear about that. Bobby fish is in his forties. He's just as old as punk. 
he punk is not bearing a young talent here it's it's going to be punk and it's perfectly acceptable this is the way it should be people need to just get past their whatever with punk i'm very excited for this. and what i like was he looked pissed this might be the truly yeah. the first time where punk looked pissed about something that had nothing to do with like hey we don't like you it was like the fuck are you doing and that that is and i even commentary was kind of pulling out being like this isn't the punk you've been seeing like this is an angry cm punk uh, i really right. enjoyed that yeah <clears throat> I, I to your point uh yeah these guys would have some sort of history together uh you know from their ties to ring of honor um <clears throat> i can't give you exact crossover dates or anything like that but they clearly have a shared past with um ring of honor and, and both of them kind of made it through there um <clears throat> i have no problem with it uh to your point like punk always talking about the young talent that they have um and now clearly bobby fish is trying to kind of take advantage of that uh this makes sense to me and to be honest uh i'll take cm punk versus bobby fish like that has potential to be a great match so uh everybody just calm down a little bit all right like it's i think it's a bit be... of that we're going to talk about later with the cody stuff i think it's a bit of that with punk that if you just don't like him for whatever reason then anything he does no matter how it makes sense or what it is you're going to say it's bad for a reason that's just not true yep i agree with you there uh so no uh no point in beating a dead horse there we'll move on uh shivani interviews dante martin and leo rush backstage and Leo Rush uh, says that anything he does, uh, he does big. And he's trying to put Dante uh, on the highest tier available, uh, unlike Matt Seidel. And Martin tells him that uh, Martin tells Leo that Matt is one of the best in the world. But Rush says he knows Dante is better than Seidel already, which is why he went to TK and booked them in a match next week. Uh, so they're going to tag against the Seidel brothers. Uh, so, um, this will be the first time we're going to see Leo Rush in the AEW ring. He's tagging with Dante Martin. I think these guys can have some together, uh, <clears throat> if they can get on the same page, right? Um, you know, you know, I'm, I'm talking quote unquote on the same page, like storyline wise, right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I think that has potential to be a fantastic match side L brothers versus, Leo Rush and Dante Martin, that should be a freaking spectacle. Holy shit. That's going to be an amazing match. That I mean, because I always won the top flight versus side, the, the Seidel brothers, and this is just as good. Um, I think this Leo Rush is a great fucking talker. Jesus Christ, he can really talk. And he sounds natural doing it, which I always love. I think Dante sounded a little weak here on the mic. He sounded better when he was on his own. This one was a little more forced, but I think those lines were force fed lines, which I'm okay with. They don't usually do that. So it's okay that they sit here like, Hey, we need an exact response because that leads us to this, which right. Shows why you shouldn't have scripts for the most part. You should just have bullet points. Cause it makes guys sound worse, but Holy shit. This match is going to be awesome. Holy fucking shit. I mean, seeing Leo rush when we did at uh new Japan strong, maybe really appreciate how good he is in the ring. Like he just, not just the moves he can pull off, but he's selling the whole time. He's interacting. Like he brings a whole performance yep. to it, which I really appreciate. Yeah, man. Leo can work regardless of what you think about him, <clears throat> you know, uh, and what you've heard backstage and the whole retirement thing and coming out of retirement, like the dude can work. Um, so I think if people aren't really familiar with Leo rush, 
they'll definitely get their first look next week, and um, he he could impress a lot of people. Um, so uh, I look forward to this match. Uh, and let's move on to the next one. It's uh, Eddie Kingston versus Lance Archer. This is the second AEW World Championship uh, Contenders Tournament. Um, uh, first round match. So, uh, before everybody even gets to the ring, Eddie attacks, uh, Lance on the ramp, uh, and then they brawl at length. Um, Lance eventually grabs a fan, quote unquote, over the barricade. He chokes slams the fan onto Eddie, and then he, uh, even, uh, brings him up onto the apron and throws him off of the apron, uh, onto Eddie on the outside. So, a pretty fun spot. Uh, and cutting to the end of this match, and then we'll kind of talk about it here, uh, Schlong, Eddie Kingston wins by pinfall with a schoolboy. And um, that is because uh, towards the end of this match, uh, Lance Archer uh, climbs to the top rope, um, and he goes for a moonsault. Now, nobody's home. Uh, you know, Eddie moved. But Lance did not rotate enough, and he lands on his forehead, like not even close. Um, and they immediately check on him. He immediately looks like this isn't right. Uh, they have the doctor at ringside check him out. Uh, Lance says he wants to keep going, it seems like. And he basically just gets up, and then they schoolboy pin him, and it's over. Nothing, no shenanigans afterwards. But boy, it was a scary moment, and uh, Lance didn't really look right in that moment. Uh, now, Schlong, I've seen him pull that move off before, uh, so it wasn't like it was the first time he was throwing the moonsault. This just looks like it didn't go the right way this time. And I was sitting with Mrs. Money watching, um, you know, we were talking, and I was just like, I think even if he had his arms out, right, to brace himself full extension because he knew he wasn't going to make the turn. He still probably would have landed on his head because of the momentum uh, he was coming down and just the fact that he's got his entire body weight coming down. Um, so it, it definitely looked uh, bad. I think after the fact, uh, people were saying he was tweeting, you know, and, and things seemed coherent. So hopefully he's not in uh in any kind of medical situation, but boy, oh boy, that looked nasty. And Schlong, I think I, we were also talking as we were watching, I think this is very similar to Pack and Orange Cassidy, right? When they had their match and it went to a count out, a double count out, and it was essentially a draw. I think this was supposed to be Eddie winning and moving on in this tournament, but this wasn't how they were going to get there. They just had to get there. Um, what did you think about this match? The match is irrelevant. I'm going to be quite honest. It comes down to that one moment. The whole foot, like, right. it overshadows everything. Um, I was looking down at my phone. The reason being, I was just double checking his tweets, and he did tweet one that he was okay. And then he tweeted later that, like, hey, we choose to do this. It's a, it's a move I've done plenty of times. And he said he'll be back, which makes me wonder, like, will he be back? Like, is he okay? Or will, did he, did he <laughs> get have to be out for a while? Um, but I'm glad he is generally okay. Like, I, I mean, that was scary to a life-threatening level because going on your head like that, the pressure on your neck is just, if it snaps back even a little bit, it could kill you. Um, yep. And, and you're, it, you know, moves they've done it. You're right. Move. He's done a bunch. 
But, you know, look what happened to, to draws in WWE. Powerbomb's done how often in, in wrestling? Things go wrong. That's the danger of the sport. Um, so this whole match was overshadowed by a scary moment. Uh, I, it was fine up until then. I like Eddie Kingston moving forward. I think that's going to be a fun match next round. But I can't even think about it because – and just – oh, God, I couldn't watch it. I, I was like, I'm not watching – I didn't watch the replay. Close my eyes. So I'm not fucking watching a guy just land on his head. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely scary. Uh, gl- glad to see that it looks like uh, he's okay to a certain extent right now. So we'll hope that Lance uh, is back. Uh, he's not out of action too soon uh, or too long. Uh, but I hope he doesn't return too soon, right? Especially if he's got like a concussion or yeah. something like that. I felt bad for uh, Tony Nice, by the way, because like they cut to him as like right after that happened. Yeah. Oh, you know, that's that's something we didn't even talk about uh, because they, they kind of brought it up at the start of the show. And actually, um, he got his name on there. He did. So they they Tony Nese was in the crowd and they actually put his uh, put a card up saying like Tony Nese. They were talking about how he's one of the most sought after free agents out there right now. Um, you know, to be honest, Shlong, I meant to bring this up before, but I totally forgot. Um I actually thought that he might have been the one to save uh, Anthony Green. I thought he might have jumped the jumped the barricade and gotten involved, and then you'd have you know kind of this thing with Bobby Fish and, and uh, Tony, uh, you know, Nice. Uh, so, um, so yeah, you're right though. When they when they got to him in the crowd, it was almost like, ooh, <laughs> you know. Yeah that that um, was uh that was like oh poor guy. I don't even know if he knew he was like at that moment. I think it was probably timed. Poor, like they didn't know what to do. I get it. They were covering from a guy you might have just, but clearly he must be getting signed. I don't think you highlight him like this if he's not. Right. Right. Or at least have him, uh, if he's not with the graphic all elite, he might be all elite to an extent on an appearance basis. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. So uh, after this match, they do go to break. When we come back from commercial, guess who's in the ring? Our favorite, Dan Lambert. With the men of the year. Uh, and um, Ethan Page gets on the mic and says that the inner circle sucks. And they've beat them twice. And he's he's uh, going to go into detail on them. He said Jake Hager defeated in, undefeated in MMA. Cool, but Scorpio Sky pinned him at Grand Slam. Uh, Santana and Ortiz are hard. Well, wherever the men of the year go, they go there. Uh, they own the place. And Chris Jericho, who's not even there tonight can literally do whatever uh, he wants. And last week he tried to flirt with Paige Van Zant. That's what he wants to do with his time. Well, the only celebrity he's kissing is Jorge Masvidal's knee. Uh, and while Chris is off cruising, he should look at them, uh, the future of pro wrestling. And that's when Sammy Guevara interrupts uh, to cut a counter promo. Uh, and Dan Lambert tells him he's actually kind of proud of him for being out there. Uh, and killing it on the mic, and maybe they'll uh, that'll end the rumors that he's a terrible he's terrible on the stick. Um, That's not what he said. He, what that is what he, he said. said. He, he he sucks on the stick. Got that very right because there's a reason well, he said that. I understand it, but he was talking about you know the microphone. But there's but, a double entendre there. Uh, I'll bring it. I, I have an issue with that. So like, not an issue so much as like why like. It's a lame joke, but sure. 
Well, he says he's got his 10-man tag uh, match at full gear. Uh, if and only if he comes to Dynamite next week in Boston and puts the TNT title on the line against Ethan Page. And when he loses, he also leaves the inner circle forever. And Sammy asks if uh, he has it straight. If he loses, he loses his title and his friends. So the counter stipulation is if he wins, he gets to pick the members of American Top Team that are in the tag match. Scorpio Sky tells him to accept the ass whooping he's about to have, but Hager, Ortiz, and Santana show up and run Lambert and American Top Team off. Uh, so, uh, Schlong, we're clearly lining up for this match. Um, I am, however, excited to see Ethan Page get a singles match. We haven't really seen him in a singles match uh, in AEW. I think he had one or two maybe really early on before he started teaming with uh, Scorpio Sky. So it's been quite some time. Uh, what do you think about this promo? Um, I liked certain parts of this promo. Uh, I actually think what's, what Ethan Page said was really good. Like He was nailing a bunch of good points. I think Dan Lambert had some like okay things. Like I did like that he called out Jericho for what he said to Paige Van Zandt. I felt like okay, if you're gonna go that route, acknowledge that it kind of makes Jericho look like a shithead. Um, I I brought up that he said sucky on the stick because I just didn't like that. Like I I hate that shitty those cheesy jokes at this point. Like especially because Sammy is a great promo, so I don't know where like you made something up to make a dick sucking joke. Like it just felt extra lame to me. Like you, you, you know, you you said something not true, so that you could make that lame joke. That being said, where we're going with this of Ethan Page versus Sammy's fucking amazing. That's going to be an awesome match. So I'll take this shitty promo to give me that match. It was also interesting. I think uh, Ethan Page, maybe it was Ethan or Scorpio Sky. One of them uh, mentioned Sammy being a PR nightmare, uh, and it it immediately made me think like, is he talking about all the shit that went down um, for the comments he made about, what was it? Sasha Banks. Sasha right? Banks. There was Sasha Banks and there was something else. Um, but either way, I, I was like, is that what he's referencing? Like I, I almost, it was, couldn't believe it um, because we seem to have been way past that. Um, so just a little bit of surprise uh, there for me. But uh, after this promo schlong, we get a Moxley video. Uh, he says he's supposed to be yelling about how he's going to wreck everyone and win the tournament. Uh, and he is, but that's not what's on his mind. He's thinking about his daughter's eyes. He looks in her eyes and she stares back. Uh, and she grabs his pinky and squeezes it for everything she's got. And in that moment, it occurs to him that he doesn't care about any of this. Not the tournament, not who says what on Twitter. What he cares about is getting home with his teeth in his head and his head on his shoulders. And for that, people have to get hurt. It'd be easier if he was a mailman or a gym teacher. But this is what he does. His message to everyone in the tournament, he'll, he'll get you before you get him. And he's going to win the whole damn thing. Uh, and then we go to a break and Sammy does the uh, whole you know, card gimmick. Uh, Schlong, did you like this Moxley promo? He's he's showing a little bit more of a human side here. He's talking a lot more about the baby and his home life. Uh, did you like this, Adam Mox? I fucking loved this promo. I, I didn't think I was going to when he first started talking about it because I was like, where are you going? You know, like, it almost 
felt a little like Kevin Owens, Kevin Owens ish for a little bit, but then he went like, I like this not the swear, but where he went of, I in order to, I just want to get home to her and provide her a good life. So that means I have to hurt you as quickly as humanly possible, so that I can do that. That I love. It it it'll it'll explain a new change new change in his character where he just he has to do whatever he has to do to get home to his baby girl in as good a shape as he is as he can be and so he'll do anything as to get there i love that i think it'll be a nice dimension to his character who was already a good character but it just like you said a little bit of humanity to his craziness yeah and uh i'm not gonna lie to you schlong uh as a father of a small child when he said um i'm thinking about or i'm worried I'm, I'm sorry, I want to get the quote quote, uh, quote right. He said, uh, he's thinking about his daughter's eyes. I was, the first thought in my head was like, oh my God, I hope she doesn't have like a medical issue. <laughs> like, uh, I thought that that's where we were going for a second. So I was actually really glad that it's not what happened because I was just nervous on a, per, you know, like on a, on a level yeah. of somebody who takes care Ooh. of a child. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I like this uh, for the fact that we were getting a little more of the human side of Moxley. Uh, but we know what he's going to do in this tournament. I think he's going to show his violent side, try to run through it as quickly as possible uh, and take it down. Uh, but we get back from the break, Schlong, and this is what we talked about a little bit before, but we'll get into the detail now. Um, the Dark Order is hanging out backstage. And then guess who rolls up? Their best friend. Hangman, Adam Page. This is the first time we've seen them together since Hangman comes back. And Hangman wants to apologize for not catching up with them sooner and for everything that happened uh, while he was gone. And if they want to go after the Elite on Halloween week, they're going to be wearing costumes, so the Dark Order have to step up. And Johnny Hungy, I think, says that he's going to dress up as Bambi, which is fantastic. So um, it's nice to see Hangman Adam Page back with his buddies, even though he's like not, you know, officially part of that crew. He is back with them. So it'll be nice to see if uh, if this all, you know, kind of plays out uh, as we get to uh, full gear, as we sort of think it might, right? That he accepts them, you know, uh, now, and he seems to have accepted them kind of as a group that he can count on, and that he can also they can also count on him. Uh, so I know you talked a little about it a little before Schlong, but, uh, did you like this? I did. I told you before I liked that the juxtaposition of the, of the Omega promo where he kind of came up and he owned it. He's like, I should have not handled it that way. And you guys were right. And I'm sorry. And it was like, wow, that was, that was perfect. You know, that's all you needed from him. Cause that's all he couldn't do before, before it was always excuses. This time it was like, no, this is, I fucked up. Sorry. We'll move on. And then to immediately go back to like, they're just getting along again. And he's, he's in on it. And he's like, Hey, we need Halloween costumes. It's like, that's, that's, right. I just, I was in on it. And then Johnny hung, saying Bambi. I'm like, Oh fuck you. If you don't come out in Bambi, I'm actually going to be pissed unless it's something better than I'll laugh my ass off. But <laughs> Bambi would be sure. fucking hilarious. You know, the other thing, too, Schlong, that I actually really liked about this, uh, to your point, right, that, uh, you know, in the past it was excuses from Hangman Adam Page. <clears throat> For me, beyond that, it was the fact that in the past, Hangman ran away from those issues, right? He would leave or he, you know, not only would he make up excuses, he would just completely exit the situation. And now he's basically saying, you know, I'm here. I'm sorry, you know, I shouldn't have done that, 
but you know, I'm here for you. So he's not running away from issues. He's trying to settle those issues. So I thought it was aces all around, man. Uh, really excited to see where they go here. Um, the next match we get is Brandon Cutler versus Jungle Boy. I'm sorry, Jungle Man, Jack Perry. Jungle, That's a jungle Man. Jungle Man, my friend. I was saying to Mrs. Money as we were watching it. Now, this is a little besides the point. Schlong, it looked, to me, it looked like he had a little bit more weight on his uh, on his body. Not in a bad way. Uh, he just didn't look so thin to me tonight. Uh, I don't know if he's been working I hope out. So. Uh, or bulking up a little bit. Like, listen, I don't think he needs to put on like 40 pounds, right? But he could put on a little more muscle and I think still be able to do what he does. But he doesn't look bad as it is. That's the whole side point. My apologies. But actually, you're right. But I always say that about Jungle Boy. Like, I love him. If he never put on another pound, he could still be world heavyweight champion. I'm fine with it. But if you really want to like take him to that, like that complete next level physically, about 10 pounds of muscle, 10 to 15 pounds of muscle, as long as it doesn't slow him down. Sure. He he could really it, it it's that next level of holy shit. Again, if it slows him down, then you can't do it. But if it doesn't, that would really benefit him. Nope, I, I agree with you. Uh, there's not really much to uh, go through in this match. It was a pretty quick squash. Uh, Jungle Boy wins. I'm sorry, Jungle Man wins with submission uh, with the snare trap, and then post match gets on the mic and says it was nice warm up. And Cutler really tried, but uh, the Jungle Man's feeling pretty good, and he's ready to go again. So why don't one of the elite pieces of shit come out right now? He even puts Brandon back in the snare trap, and Cutler begs for somebody to come make the save because uh, the Jungle Man's got a mic in his face. Uh, and that's when Adam Cole comes down and asks if Jungle Boy thinks he's big and bad, picking on Brandon. Uh, well, Adam Cole's here. And he's ready to fight. And uh, Jungle Man cuts off Cole uh, before he can get into the ring with a forearm. But he doesn't realize that coming in behind him was a super kick party from the Young Bucks. And they proceed to drag uh, Jack uh, back up to the stage. They hit the BTE trigger uh, before Cole hits the last shot. And then they hold him up and Cole makes, calls him a nobody, telling him he's elite. Uh, telling him uh, the elite run AEW, and then uh, they do the whole kiss gimmick, uh, and then the Bucks throw Jungle Boy off the stage through a table. Um, listen, Schlong, I, as soon as Adam Cole came out, I was just like, fucking give it to me. Like, I didn't think they were going to wrestle tonight, but I was just like, yes, this is what I want. This is what I I'm dying to see Adam Cole and Jungle Boy. He pretty much said it from night one is he's got a problem with Jungle Boy and, and really never really explained it, which commentary kind of said is he's never kind of said why they've got an issue. Uh, but Schlong, I'm all in on this. What's well, your they, they, ha they had the one match, right? And uh, where Cole won. I don't know. Uh, I don't remember. Uh, it was, it was, I think it was Cole's first match, match in, in, in uh, AEW. But I don't think he I, won it, in the cleanest way. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I know they've had a bunch of tag matches, right? Like, I just, that's why I can't kind of keep it straight uh, because he's been tagging with the super click. Uh, but listen, I, a long program with Jungle Boy and uh, Adam Cole is, I'm, I'm all for it. 
I'm all for it. Oh, me, well, I'm not complaining at all. I, in fact, I'm um, I'm just making um, looking to see uh, yeah. So no, 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 Jungle sure. Boy, Jungle Boy accidentally had knocked Cole into the ref and received a low blow. So that's how he lost. So it was not a clean loss. So a rematch makes perfect sense. They don't do it often. It's been separated by weeks. So you haven't seen it week after week. I'm all for this because their match was awesome. And it just goes to show what a star Jungle Boy is. That they're like, we have this giant star in Adam Cole. He's His big feud is Jungle Boy. Meanwhile, the Super Click is feuding with Jungle Boy and, and Jurassic Express and Christian when he's not in T, uh, Impact. And they're feuding with... The Dark Order. I love that. That's the shit I love when you have multiple feuds going across the board. So this was awesome. I knew he was going to get destroyed. I was like, the minute sure. Adam Cole came out, I was like, this is. But I also love that he's like, you're sure picking on Cutler. Like Cutler's a child. Like, how dare you pick on the child, Cutler? But right. I was, no. I'm so excited for this. This is awesome. Uh, I, like I said, a long program with these two. Yep. Mm-hmm. Sign me up. Uh, Schlong, they hype up the cards for <clears throat> this coming week. Um, we know that on Dynamite, we're going to get the Dark Order versus the Elite with Don Callis uh, in their corner. We're also going to get a TNT Championship match, Sammy Guevara versus Ethan Page, uh, of course, with the stipulations they outlined. Um, we're going to get our second first-round tournament match for the TBS tournament. This is uh, Serena Deeb versus Sheeta. Sheeta is uh, going for her 50th win after Deeb did not allow her to do that. Uh, we're going to get another championship eliminator match. This is the last of the first round matches. It will be uh, 10 versus John Moxley. And then uh, they're getting the we're going to get, which they announced at this point, Bobby Fish versus CM, CM Punk making his Dynamite in-ring debut. So that should be a lot of fun. Rampage, we're also going to get uh, a semifinal Eliminator Tournament match with uh, Brian Danielson uh, versus Eddie Kingston. And we're going to get the Side Owl Brothers versus Leo Rush and Dante Martin in that tag match. So looks like it's shaping up for a couple good shows next week. Uh, should be some pretty fun wrestling to watch. Uh, and then Schlong, we come back from the break and we start to get into our main event. But before we get there, sorry, before we get there, I forgot. We had a Miro uh, video. Uh, I don't think there's too much to discuss here. Uh, again, he's kind of um, calling out his God for forsaking him. Uh, uh, again, we talked about this last week. This is like, I think, the perfect place for Miro to be going, right? He was the Redeemer. Now he's the Forsaken. You know, like... Uh, you know, trying to kind of get back what he lost and, um, you know, f- trying to figure out why, you know, it all happened. So I, I love this out of Miro. To me, this makes Miro more dangerous. No, 100. It's a, this is the perfect way to handle his loss. It's absolutely perfect. So there's not too much to discuss there, but Schlong, we definitely got to discuss the main event Cody Rhodes versus Malachi Black in their third match of the trilogy um let's cut to the finish and then we'll we'll talk through some of this match um the finish of this match is cody rhodes winning by pinfall um uh and uh cody's able to actually regroup with arn anderson after this match uh and that's it there's no post-match antics now some of the things i want to talk about here 
uh, Schlong as we kind of get through the match. Um, one, the crowd is still really, really sour on Cody Rhodes. Now, I get it because Malachi Black's whole gimmick, uh, maybe I shouldn't say gimmick, his whole you know, look and his entrance and his moveset, all super fucking cool. Um, he's a heel, but he's so over because he's so goddamn cool. Um, it's so hard to kind of overcome. And I just still can't understand, I guess, why so many people are so fucking down on Cody. I mean, I get it. There's a whole narrative out there that he buries everybody and you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, we've talked about it ad nauseum here on the show, but this crowd was really anti-Cody. Um, booing him really loudly in the entrance during the match when he would be have the upper hand. Um, you know, so that was one thing. The other thing, too, was we saw, um, we saw the influence of Andrade and Pac and Arn Anderson also get involved. Uh, with Malachi Black, uh, and none of that really had too much effect here, but it's just carrying those stories, right, that we were kind of talking about before from Rampage. Uh, so we can touch on that too. But the biggest thing here, Schlong, for me, is that this match was fucking awesome. All that aside, the things that you can kind of like say, like, fuck this crowd, blah, blah, blah. This match was awesome. I love this. I did not hate the outcome, but I have some thoughts on what needs to happen with Cody. So, Schlong, let's get your take on the match and, and some of those other things I brought up, and then we can kind of discuss from there. Match was awesome. There's no doubt about it. Both Malachi and Cody tell awesome stories. And just like we were talking about with, with Dustin and uh, Friday, there are – when two guys click at a certain level, it, it just works so well, and these two get each other, and they, they click – and so the match was awesome. I liked the uh, the Andrade interference. I usually don't like interference, but this made sense. It was a carryover from the night before. We So to answer Liddy's question, I think we're probably going to get a tag match at some point because Pac came out and attacked uh, attacked you know uh, Andrade. And Andrade tweeted out, like Andrade's guy tweeted out, like Andrade always gets his revenge or something. So we'll see. Um I liked the I liked the way that it ended. You know, I think Cody had to nail a couple things, and he pulled out the the tiger driver, and I thought he was going to go for a pedigree, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Pedigree would have been the ultimate troll job, and I'm a little upset. Me too. Yep. Um, I'm with you. I don't get the Cody hate. I've never gotten it. He doesn't bury anyone. Even here, he didn't bury Malachi Black. He's lost to him twice. He's got one win, and he's lost to him twice. That's not burying a guy. You know, that's if we were in a, if we were in the playoffs, he'd still be trailing. Um, yeah. What I think we were, you said, what needs to happen for Cody after? I think, and it's not. I wouldn't say. I honestly think if Cody stayed fate in another universe where the fans didn't have some weird hatred of Cody, which I don't understand, because they bought into this story that he buries people, which isn't true. But in a in another universe, I say Cody could stay face and it would work. But in the one we're living in, where the fans have turned on him, and he knows it, because even in I was reading some tweets when I was looking for Lance Archer's um, in Roads to the Top afterwards. Apparently, they like showed fans starting to boo Cody, and they even supercut moments of when it wasn't fans booing Cody, it was just fans booing. They put that in for Cody, 
So like they know he's getting and Cody definitely has editing rights on that. Whether people want to say he definitely has a say. So they know he's getting booed. I think the only way this works is if Cody starts to just get more aggressive, more heel, like more like becomes more like Arn Anderson when he was the enforcer and he was with the horsemen of like, you know, starts to really lean into it because then this win makes sense. And Malachi could play it off as see what I made you become. Like that is a story right. for Malachi saying like, I made you lose your soul. Like I made you go dark. Like, I think that's really, I wouldn't be shocked if you see Cody turn on Pac, to be quite honest with you. I think you get tag match and see Cody turn on Pac. Um, but I think, I think if you keep Cody's a baby face, it's just going to be a real struggle because people don't want it. I think the story plays out a lot better if he turns heel and then Malachi can play it of like, see what I did to you. Yeah. I, I, you know, I said in the discord as we were chatting with a couple people tonight, I, I just think that Cody has to turn. You can't, you know, to me, this was almost like, um, <clears throat> this is almost the same feeling as like, and, and I'm not saying that he should have been a face with this character, but like when the rock first came to the heat and he was, Rocky Maivia. And they he was so bubblegum sugary baby face and nobody wanted it. And he got booed all the time. And eventually he turned and he was the rock. Um I think this is sort of that same situation, right? They you know, Cody is the, you know, EVP, right? Um uh he's, you know, the quote unquote face but the crowd's not buying it. You need to turn him heel. You need to do it. You can't keep putting him out there and getting booed. And he's played the heel so many ways in the past that, okay, you want to retread one of those in it from another company that he was in? You can certainly do that. You don't have to play the gimmick, right? Like, uh, again, my favorite Cody gimmick, I think, of all time was in the E when he had to wear the mask because he broke his nose and then he would hand out paper bags to people after he took it off because he said, now I'm beautiful and you're all hideous. Like, I love that. But you don't need to play that gimmick, but you can be that same type of character. Or even, I've said it, when he was in Ring of Honor and his whole character was that cocky heel that I'm so fucking big you know, like, I'm the reason all these people are here to see me. You know, you can do anything like that with him again, or just completely turn him heel because you turned on me, right? You fucking turned on me, so now I'm turning on you. Fuck you. You know, I'm the boss. Play that character. You, He can do it, and he's a good heel. But they need to pull the trigger. I, I think they just need to pull the trigger. Unless he's going away for a while... You need to flip the switch. Yeah, like, I don't usually like the you people uh, promo because it's so common. It fucking would work for Cody because it's true. Like yeah. this is one of those cases where he could say, or he could say, you know what? You guys were right. This is what I'm doing. And I don't give a fuck. I wait. I see new talent come in and I beat them. You don't have to take it outside of kayfabe and say like, Oh, I booked myself. But you could say, I, I make sure I'm the first day challenge and I beat these motherfuckers. You know, you, you can, there's, there's so many avenues, but you're, he can't stay face because the audience hates him too much to stay face. Unless 
That's your goal is to have him think I, I'm okay. You're going to have to give it up. You're going to have to a couple times, like kind of do the wink and nod of like, he thinks he's face, but we all th- know he's heel. Right. But you have to give a wink and nod someone somewhere, even if it's, I, I'll use Brandy, Brandy saying him like, but you realize everyone hates you. And he go, no, they're booing the other guy. They love me. Right. Then that, th- that would work. So he has options and he's so smart that he's going to pick one of them. I just having seen that, well, saw on Twitter that they put his getting booed in roads to the top. They know the situation. Um, Clearly. And they know that people will be pissed off. He beat Malachi black. I am willing to wait it out and see where does he go with this character? If he sticks to Bubblegum Cody, Bubblegum face, Cody, it's a failure. I agree. Him beating black makes no sense, but if he changes and he becomes some darker version of himself or just any kind of different version of himself, then it makes perfect sense. And black can use that as see what I did to you. And that is great for the black character. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, by the way, did you notice tonight Malachi Black, not to completely like disregard everything you just said because that's not what I'm doing, but it just made me, I just remember for some reason to me, tonight, Malachi Black's eye looked that looked larger than anything he's done before. Like the face paint, right? It looked a little yeah. wider to me on his face. It seems to be growing, Schlong, and I fucking love it. Well, it's because um, evil is spreading and it's spread to Cody. Well, listen, they could do something completely like out of the 80s wrestling, you know, book where Cody's got this little fucking mark or something, right? Like this little something is like, yeah, I don't know, that's something fucking here, right? And it keeps getting bigger. And now he's fucking got the same shit that's going on with Malachi Black. And now he's fucking doing shit with Malachi Black. Like, would I love that? No. But could they do something like that? Of course. I'd be okay if they did that, if they acknowledged that Cody painted it there himself, but he doesn't remember doing it. Like, he's just so in his own head about it that he paints it, and he's getting a little bit more, like, he's getting crazier. Yeah, it's... They can go a lot of different ways with this, but, you know, we're on the same page here. He can't stay face. He's got to... They've got to flip. The fans have forced it. He can't... Just because the fans won't let it be. That's right. That's right. So, yeah, um, that was definitely... uh, If... If... You're not going to check out anything from this episode of Dynamite. I would definitely suggest check out the opener and check out the main event. Like those two matches are enough. If you don't check out anything else from Dynamite tonight, definitely check those two out. Uh, So Schlong, that's the end of Dynamite. And then usually, you know, we do some news and notes. I don't really have any kind of news and notes. The only thing that I think we should probably call out is that – Jim Ross earlier this week shared that uh, he had a pretty weird growth uh, on his ankle and that he had headed to get a CAT scan and, uh, and a biopsy. Uh, and he did uh, reveal um, that uh, he was on his way to – he revealed today he was on his way to Orlando for Dynamite, and they did confirm that uh, he has skin cancer. So they were waiting on radiologists to determine the best treatment. It'll probably be radiation. Uh, so. Um, just some really, you know, some bad news uh, to hear about Jr. Uh, obviously, you know, skin cancer is nothing to uh, to take lightly. So, uh, you know, I think we all kind of hope that uh, this doesn't get worse before it gets better, right? And that uh, they can kind of eliminate this as quickly as possible. Um, he has, although, been diagnosed with skin cancer once before. Um, he. Uh, 
he had surgery to remove it, I think, um, from his shoulder. Um, and I think he talked about it on, uh, the Ross report back in 2018 before he was doing the gimmick with, uh, Conrad, uh, now. So hoping that they can, uh, take care of this as quickly as possible. Uh, but, uh, that's it. That's been kind of the biggest news that I've seen lately. Uh, and Schlong, that means we're done for the night. Um, so we'll be back Wednesday, right? We will be. And we'll have actually a relatively, I'm not going to say short, but less, uh, to cover show. We won't have to cover nearly (laughs) as many things. Right. Not two dynamites, uh, not a rampage. Uh, but we should have Kate back. Uh, and, uh, as we said, she's on the Jared cruise, uh, now, so she'll be back. So we'll get to talk to her a little bit about the, uh, Jericho cruise, uh, and Matt should be back as well. Uh, unless, uh, his work, uh, schedule gets in the way. We hope Matt's back. <laughs> we know how much he hates not being on with us, uh, as much as he might, uh, be like, fuck you guys, blah, 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 whatever, you know, kayfabe bro, I guess. But, uh, we, uh, we always miss when Matt's not here. Uh, and Kate too. I shouldn't downplay that either. We love when we're a full, uh, four horsemen of the Mark Order apocalypse. Uh, but, uh, it's always fun to have a two live crew here with, uh, me and Schlong. So Schlong, thanks for hanging out on a Saturday night. Um, reminders again, just to plug our, our own shit. Uh, at Mark Order Pod on socials. We're on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram. We got these Neato stickers. Uh, if you'd like some of your own stickers, just uh, give us a follow, DM us your name and address, and I'll send them out uh, to you for free. We'll send them anywhere in the world, so please just let us know. Uh, and we will be back uh, next Wednesday. Uh, but Monday and Tuesday, Schlong does, uh, hit up that Twitter machine during dark elevation and dark where he tweets along with all the action, just killing it on Twitter. And, uh, as we said, I think last week, Schlong, you and I are working on, uh, Tuesday. Uh, I don't want to give a date, but we're working on a show to do just dark recaps because we know people kind of miss that. So, uh, stay tuned as we get all the details ironed out. We'll uh, let you guys know where you can find that. But Schlong. Thanks again, buddy, for uh, for hanging out on a Saturday night. It's always fun. No problem. Thanks for having me. And so schlong and good night. Oh, my God. I'm going to do the right outro. I'm going to do the right outro, and it's the Kenny Omega. Good. <laughs> Your video's delayed here, schlong, so I'm seeing the fist get raised up here. I actually um, think it works better because it's like I'm celebrating in, like, slow motion. Oh my god. Well, I'm not even going to hit the Kenny Omega then because it's so funny seeing your video majorly delayed here. Then I'm just going to say thanks everybody for tuning in. Uh, check us out Wednesday night, 10.15pm Eastern uh, for the next episode of the Mark Or Podcast.
This concludes the Mark Order Podcast. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Join the Mark Order.